Today's episode is brought to you by M1 Finance, a new online broker that automates your investments. Once you tell M1 Finance what stocks and ETFs you want in your portfolio, they keep you balanced automatically as you put money in and take money out. And M1 Finance does all of this with no commissions, just a low annual fee of 0.35%. Visit m1finance.com listen and get your first six months of service for free. M1 Finance is a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. Cash rules everything around me, except when other assets provide higher risk-adjusted returns, controlling for liquidity preferences. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? And... Did you understand a word of that catchphrase? <laughs> that, that's kind of why we... <laughs> Laura's like, I'm going to put this in here. I bet Thomas doesn't read it before he says it. <laughs> it was like a bunch of like random words like stuck at the end. <laughs> I did read it. I did you, read you it. You did. I did. Do you, you read uh, it before you actually... I read it, I read it, but I did not read and comprehend. Mm. Other I, assets, I didn't comprehend it Higher risk adjusted returns controlling for liquidity preferences. That, that makes sense. I guess. So... Yeah. What is risk uh, risk adu- adjusted returns? Does that mean like higher, just higher risk? That's like, you know, you buy a lending club loan, it returns 25%, but you're really only getting like 15%, right? Because they're going to miss the last payments or something. Oh, well, you're like, so you're, you're adjusting for like the failures inherent in the risk. Yeah, it's like more like in like a bucket of like you have like 100 loans. And so, yeah. Yeah. And then liquidity preferences is just like how how fast can I pull my shit out? Mm. I need to buy a rubber duck or something. That's right. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, what are you drinking, dude? Ah, uh, I, I am not. I'm. I'm. I was. I'm not just drinking a beer. I'm drinking a beer from uh, New Belgium that is partnered Ooh. with Ben and Jerry's, and the flavor is what? chocolate chip cookie dough ale. It is a picture of a cow oh with a scarf and his tongue out and glasses. He's, I think we've gone too far. <laughs> you know, it actually, so I didn't know what it was going to look like or be. I mean, it, it just has to be tried. It looks like it could be, I don't know, yingling. And you mm-hmm. taste it, and on the front, it could actually be yingling. But on the back, they nailed the cookie dough ale. Oh, The nice. chocolate chip cookie dough, yeah. When I was in uh, Charleston last year, I had a peanut butter and jelly beer. Oh, and dude. they also nailed the peanut butter and jelly flavor. It was it was surprisingly good, to be honest. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm liking it. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Charleston again this year for Thanksgiving and I can't, I don't, I don't think I had any like crazy beers this time. Just a lot of fancy wine. And his uncle has like super good wine taste. So did everyone buys, that like, entered Thanksgiving wine. leave Thanksgiving? In our family. Yeah. Mm. I've never been a huge Thanksgiving guy, to be honest. Like, everyone's like, I'm going to stuff myself so much, and then I'll be in a coma for six weeks after that. I'm going to wake up on Christmas morning and be like, what happened? I always just eat, like, a normal amount, and then, like, I don't know. Well, see, like, all the things pass around, and I'm like, oh, I'll take, like, a little bit of turkey, yeah. like, gravy, and then the <laughs> stuffing comes. There's just, like, two and I just <laughs> I take a scoop, and I just then, like, swap my plate with, like, the serving dish, and I yep. just eat, like, all the stuffing. Yeah, that's, that is the one problem. Uh, stuffing is good, but also there, there are so many side dishes mm. that you're like, I'm going to take a little bit of this one and a little bit of everything to be polite, and then you have like a week's worth of food on your plate. It's like, this is carbs and oil. This is uh, like 
marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where's the exactly. food? Exactly. Well, what I'm drinking, drinking my one coffee of the day, my very festive Christmas Starbucks mug here. Mm. And it's good. No beer. Sorry, Andrew. We have five questions today. Mm. So I suppose we better just get into these questions and um, rain down wisdom from Mount Olympus. Let's do or it. From, or from the peanut gallery. <laughs> Take your pick. Uh, question one says, hi, Andrew, Tom, and Laura. So I guess Laura's not going to be able to answer this one. So we'll just have to say what we think she would say. Okay. And this person asks, I think an important and sorely needed topic is finance for freelancers and not even those who use invoicing systems. I've been freelancing for more years than I care to admit, and there are so many like me who copy edit or proofread or design book jackets or basically one-person shows with little to no cushion where times are either feast or famine. So I would love to talk more on this or hear you guys talk about it in more depth. And this comes from KB. So, yeah, I, I think the big question to pull out of this is how do you build your financial systems or figure out what your, your budgeting style is going to be when you're a freelancer who has really variable income? Mm. You know, I think um, Kat Alford may have touched on this when we talked to her on the show last because she said, that, you know, I've had months where I bring in a thousand dollars and I've had months where I bring in twenty thousand mm. dollars. So what do you do when you're dealing with that kind of a situation? Um, I actually want to hear what you think because I think you were close. Like I, I have thoughts and ideas, but I think you've been closer to the situation. I don't know if I have. You know, I've never been a straight up. Okay, I take Thomas, it back. I've, you've I've, always I've been, been like making two hundred thousand a month. I've always been making. Yeah, <laughs> I make. How did you guess? I make $200,000 every single month. Why am I on a podcast? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I should be buying buildings or something. But no, um, with my business's growth, it's always been, at first it was like a steady trend upward. It was like no money for like two years Mm -hmm. because it was a blog and I didn't really know how to be a business owner. And then once it started getting profitable, there was like a six month ramp up period where it was like $200, then $1,000, then like $3,000 and $5,000. Once it got to 5,000, it stayed relatively stable for a while. Um, you know, I made like $3,500 one month, like 6,000 another month, but it was not, you know, not too crazy. There was never any like feast or famine months. And then that was like two years of me being kind of static. And then eventually I started doing YouTube and that like 10x my business or whatever. And probably not 10x, but 4x probably. And it's always been like relatively stable from there. That being said, I honestly think that even if you have really variable income, you can still use the same fundamentals that we always talk about where you build up your 3x checking account balance and you have your your emergency savings And once you've got those filled out, then you basically just need to make sure that you're not overspending during the months when you're not bringing a ton in. Mm. That way, maybe you don't have like a huge credit card bill to pay off and then nobody comes in for you to deal with it. But once your fundamentals are correct and you have that cushion, the money that comes in, you just figure out, okay, this is what I got to do with this money this month. And you may, as a freelancer, maybe maybe your checking account balance or maybe whatever kind of reserve account you have needs to be bigger, you know? 
I think that's the only major difference that that I mm-hmm. guess I, I feel as well is you need to keep um, quite a lot of cash on you. And I know like yeah. uh, it's like really exciting to get into investing, and or if it's scary to get into investing and you do it, and then once you do it and you see what happens, and you're like, oh shit. You like it's easy to get like overzealous. You have to be yeah. like really mindful to just hold back. You know, if you have mm-hmm. to keep like fifteen k on hand just because three months you won't make anything, you can only invest yeah. once you like have sixteen k, and then you only invest one. Yeah, that's very true. I wonder if freelancers ever like pay attention to what's happened in like the past six months or maybe they look at all right here's how performance was last year if they have a cyclical business Mm. and then use that uh you know the example that's coming to my head right now is our friend matt has a pool website i I thought of Matt too when you does gangbusters in the summer and then like nobody in the world is buying anything during the winter so it's basically like you know a dead zone unless he's selling some sponsors ahead of time or something Mm. so i would imagine like if i'm matt and i've been running swim university for 10 years or however long it's been, I know in my head, I either got to bring in an income some other way in December in the winter months, or I got to start planning on scaling back expenses or at least putting away a lot of money during the summer to prevent or to prepare for that. You so know, if you have a cyclical business, you know, use your past data and figure out how to save up acorns for the winter. Basically. I, I came up with a, a weird idea randomly. I don't know okay. if it makes sense, but um, if you say I have two accounts in a within a bank, and then I think most banks do this that don't suck. So, like TD or, mm-hmm. or um, like America, don't have a bank that sucks. Yeah, like Bank of America, like <laughs> they probably don't do it because they're they're shitty banks. But um, if you're with like Fidelity or, or um, Capital Three Hundred and Sixty, uh, you could set like automated transfers between accounts. So mm-hmm. what if all of your income came into one checking account? And you, and you had one more checking account that you lived off of and your expenses came and you just automated every month or, or every two weeks, X got copied, transferred from your, your main income account to your working account. So like you were always really working with 3K, like or whatever yeah. the number is. And then you just pile up in the other one and you kind of use that as your like. That's kind of how I live. To be honest, yeah, because money comes into oh, my that's business right, your account, business. yeah, and I don't just I don't like pay my I don't have employees, but I don't pay my contractors and then give myself the rest. I leave everything in the business account, and then when I need, you know, two thousand dollars to pay the credit card or like six hundred dollars to pay the rent, I send it to myself. I was going to say, and careful, like, let's not go on record saying you have employees. Yeah, I don't have employees. I don't have employees. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't. I mean, I talked to my accountant and my lawyer about that. Mm. Um, you have to like set their schedules and own all their equipment and stuff for them to be employees. So I don't do that. They just happen to be my roommates. Um, but that's what I do. You know, I, I don't see a need to keep a bunch of money in my personal account when really I just, I typically spend 2000 ish on credit card, whatever's, mm-hmm. and then like, you know, rent and utilities. And that's basically it every month. So I'll leave everything else in the war chest so I can use it for other purposes or so that it's saved. You and know? look, just to kind of like tie a bow on it, um, like the size of the war chest is very specific to the person and how frequent they get work. But I, yeah. I think that if you had six months expenses 
in your war chest. Yeah. I couldn't imagine needing like much more than that. Like that's like pretty that is excessive. True. So like when we say hoard cash, I don't want it to be like fear and then they just yeah. never do anything beyond that. Like if like you're the most risk adverse person ever, like six six months and then, you know, invest the rest. I'd say that's uh, that's a pretty solid rule that we can agree on because if you're a freelancer and you go six actual months not bringing in money like are you working like Like, you're trying you might not be a freelancer anymore Mm. like i mean your business may have dried up so either you need to make some huge changes or what you're actually doing is building a startup and you're on a six-month runway but if you're like a freelancer who does like book jackets or whatever and you go six months without bringing any income and it's not a case where you're like working on a gigantic six-month contract that's Mm. gonna you know drop 50k on you randomly at the end um your book jacket it's time, suck. To, it's time to start thinking about something else sooner rather than later mm. you know so yeah six months expenses i think would be a good goal to hit and then after that go ahead and invest in mm. you know and i mean if you're most investments you can take out of you know i, I mean you're if you're trans if you're if you're putting money into like a 401k or something you can't but if worse comes to worst all you incur is capital gains tax if you have to pull money out of a taxable investment. Mm-hmm. Not ideal. I don't consider my investments as things I can randomly pull from, but they're there if a dragon eats my house or something, you know. <laughs> I, 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 that was the only emergency I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> if I need it, I'm going to pull it out because I have it. Right. So question number two. As long as uh, you think that's enough said on that one. Yeah. So question number two is, hey, guys, is it possible to roll over my Roth IRA to a traditional? What I got a tax refund for the income tax that I would have saved had I been using a traditional IRA all along? And are there any limitations or conditions to performing this rollover? I've only had my Roth IRA for two years. That comes from Emil. I don't know. So I hope you know. So, uh, otherwise we're going to have to go get mad scientist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that he would agree with me that, um, you should probably roll over your Roth IRA if you're, well, I don't think that you should ever, I mean, you shouldn't, I don't think you should ever roll your Roth into a traditional unless you're very broke or like fucking very broke. Um, okay. or you're like really old and, like you're basically like you're you're past like you're gonna be retiring soon and um you're not making more money in the future for someone so the, the Roth one is where you pay taxes first right and then right so you'd pay your post tax earnings are put into it and then they aren't taxed when you take them out right right so if you think of it like this Thomas so if you're gonna make less money as an old person Roth is good right, right? but but let's think of it like this so you're you're super young um yeah. you put money into a Roth. And you, you're taxed on it already, and it goes in there, and it grows tax-free and, until you retire, mm-hmm. and then you pull it out, and you pay no taxes on it. That's yeah. sick, and because you have such a long time horizon until when you retire, like it just makes an enormous amount of sense. Now, they're traditional. Um, you don't pay taxes on it, so you save taxes now, and then it grows for 30 years, and then you pay taxes on 30 years' worth of growth. So... Um, you definitely want to meet matching and traditional is definitely good. Um, yeah, but I think that it's, it will often not make sense to, to go the other direction. That said, um, 
you uh, very likely will get a refund on your income taxes, but you have to be mindful of like the the IRS deadlines, um, and and the standard date is October fifteenth. So okay. if you're going to do something like that, you have to do it before then. Cool. Mm. There's also a New York Times article on on when converting a Roth IRA back to a traditional one makes sense. So what did they say? Uh, there's a lot in it, and it's a it's a pretty lengthy article, so I can't speed read it very quickly. But I do want to. I just want to mention it as a resource. If somebody is very curious about it, we can link it up in the show notes or something. But yeah, yeah, it well, does say here five reasons for converting your Roth to a traditional IRA. Number one, you're broke. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that would be do it. Or your yeah, accounts are performing or something. You're not getting like that much back on your income taxes. Um, but I mean, well, you're getting what what you paid. But um, anyways, we'll, we'll throw this in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, I like the times. Cool. Yep, they're pretty good. All right, uh, you want to go to question three? Sure. All right, so this one says, this is from Derek, and he says, uh, I'm trying to refinance my credit card debt, and I asked Lending Club for a $3,000 loan, and they are only giving me the option to take out a $6,025 loan. Do you know why this is? And if this is my only option, I plan on taking it out and then giving back the $3,025 right away since I only need three k What would you guys do? Is that impossible for me to give back $3,025 right away? Thanks. So you've used Lending Club before. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're more knowledgeable on this than I am. Um, but, I mean, like, fundamentally, you're going to get a $6,000 loan at a percent interest. Is that in a minimum amount? Is that just because investors don't want to be giving out small-time loans because it's a small-time gain? You know, uh, I was, I was, that's what I was kind of thinking. Um, but their minimum on, on their website is $1,000. So I'm actually surprised that I, I almost feel like something was typed in wrong or maybe maybe it's the base of, based on like the length of time you're going to pay back they forced mm. you know um his hand that said like there there's one thing to be mindful of and uh that's like there's an origination cost with the loan so mm. most loans um and, and it really depends on your credit rating so i'm going to assume that you're like a 5 or 6% uh fee so if you were to pay 5 or 6% of $6000 that's three hundred and sixty dollars that you paid a lending club to create the loan, and that's oh, before wow. all interest, right? Now, if you were just to get a three thousand dollar loan, so that makes your interest rate quite a bit higher than. Well, no. So your interest rate is constant. It's just an upfront fee. So the upfront fee for a three thousand dollar loan would be one hundred and eighty dollars. So wait, what you're saying is when you get a loan from lending club. There's what did you say it was a five or six percent origination fee based based on your credit rating, but the, you know so, there's an okay. origination fee with mortgages with with every loan you'll get. There's one. So basically, if you get a six thousand dollar loan, what's the percentage it's going to be at? So for most people, it's going to be five or six percent. So that means they're also going to pay three hundred dollars in interest as well. Well, no, so because, it's actually so happening. He will, if he paying, pays the three thousand back. Before the first thirty days, he won't pay interest on it. Well, I get that, but you know, let's just say it's a normal situation where he's taking out six thousand dollars and he pays it back on the regular schedule. Oh, yeah. That's- so he's paying back five percent interest on the six thousand dollars plus a five percent origination oh. fee. That's ten percent interest total mm. paid on that loan. In so is that month. how that works? No, no, no. Total, total. I mean, like across the board, 
all the money that's spent, oh, right, right, right. once the loan is totally paid off, he's mm. actually ended up paying about 10% interest mm. because he had to pay that origination fee just to get the loan. Yeah. So actually, I didn't know about that, but actually that makes Lending Club a little bit less uh, lucrative as a borrower than I had originally believed, right? I mean, unless I'm missing something. You know, um, this this fee exists with all loans, and I guess it's it's technically not the interest rate; it's the fee. So when you go and get a mortgage, so so when you buy a rental property, uh, I I when I use my calculator, I use uh, on average three point two percent of the mo- of the, the uh, mortgage is what I'll pay uh, in a fee. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it amounts to like I, I usually pay three thousand or more for the A to Z of just getting the loan done. So even if you go to the bank and you get a regular personal loan, they're gonna have a similar kind of fee. That's how the bank makes money. I mean, yeah. I mean, I figured the bank made money on the interest rate, and they would make the exact amount of money that they told you. I've never walked in and you know asked for a loan before, so I don't know these things. But uh, I had not considered that. Yeah, I guess if you're if you're getting a loan, you do have to think about the fact that the origination fee should basically be considered in the interest rate when you're thinking about it. Mm. You know, not in terms of how much you will pay per month on your installments, but in terms of what the loan actually costs like, you. Yeah, overall. And look, like the see then I think the way to look at it is um fine. Maybe it's like ten percent or whatever the, the net rate is. Your credit card is like 20 probably 30 percent so yeah, it still works out yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's still better but um i was just always under the impression that like if you have all this credit card debt then you go uh, you know you get a loan with lending club and it's only five or six percent like you make out like a robber but it, with this initiation fee it's actually more like 10 percent. so i think it's, it's worth a little less but it's still probably worth it yeah like one hundred eighty dollars out of three thousand is is a significant amount. I mean, it's five percent. It's it's mm-hmm. not not like a joke. So, um, I think you have to weigh like how much you may overpay keeping it where it is. And yeah, I I I, I don't. I, I think hope- it's still worth it. It's just one of those things. It's another one of those things in life where at first you think this is awesome, and mm. then reality hits you in the face and you're like, oh, no, it's just kind of cool. Like everything else. Look, it, it is it is great, but I'm I'm not like digging the whole like paying for twice the loan when only needing half. If Lending Club won't do it for you, which I find really weird, there's like Prosper. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say go look at other things just because you're gonna pay double the origination fee. Yeah, that you would have paid. So, I mean, the interest doesn't matter as long as as long as the terms let you pay back the principal early and not, and you're not like bound to paying the full interest amount, which if you are, you know, that's another thing. Don't take, don't take more debt than you need if you are bound to pay all the interest. But like with my car loan, I can pay it back early and not pay interest on the principal, which is what I'm doing. So that's fine. But you know, if you're going to get robbed on the origination fee, and look, don't if you're take like, double the amount of money you need unless unless is your only option because mm-hmm. paying that extra origination fee is probably still going to be less than leaving your debt in the credit card interest rate. And look, SoFi does this stuff. Like, there's so many companies that'll give you personal loans, and mm-hmm. like you could look at it and be like, "What's 180 dollars between friends?" Right? Well, I'd, I'd be like, "Well, 
actually like pay like save $108 and take your your person out for a, the sickest dinner ever and get yeah. tanked and then have ride an Uber <laughs> home. Right? As you probably then still have like $30 yeah. left. Go buy a 20-year-old bottle of scotch. Mm. Well, you have $30 left if you don't live in New York. If you in New York, you do all that, it's like 250. I was thinking <laughs> uh like every month, if you if you didn't buy a latte every day for five dollars, you could buy a hundred and fifty dollar bottle of scotch every month mm. and and make out completely the same. I would live like a scotch. king. I think I would I would if I had to, but I don't. I choose the coffee. And so, then I end up buying cheaper scotch. Well you think about it like Maybe this, I need so to make question my life decisions. Maybe you get maybe when you get into the office, you do 10 to 15% more work if you have that coffee, right? But screw yeah. them if they're paying you a salary, right? Just go for the <laughs> go for the whiskey. That's true. Yeah, just get more sleep. Go for the whiskey. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Question four. I think we covered that. Yeah, d- yeah. Don't take that extra debt unless it's your only option. And there are many other options out there. Prosper, SoFi, your local bank, etc. Mm. You know, don't throw your money away. Sometimes you have to, but try not to. Listen Money Matters is brought to you by Varo. Managing your money can be a nightmare, but with Varo, you're able to manage all your accounts from one intuitive app. No more jumping from one banking app to another just to figure out your finances. With Varo, online banking and money management tools are rolled into one. This allows you to see your complete financial picture right from your phone, making budgeting decisions on the fly easier than ever. Learn to set spending goals, manage expenses, and budget for little things like dining out or those big ticket items like that European vacation you always wanted to take. If you're ready for a new way of banking that's built around your behavior, sign up for Varo Early Access today. Go to varomoney.com slash listen. That's V-A-R-O money.com slash listen. Banking services provided by Bancorp Bank, member FDIC. What if I told you that you can get lower rates on life insurance by living a health-conscious lifestyle? Many people who exercise regularly don't realize they can get special life insurance rates through Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to get lower rates for the health conscious, including those who exercise regularly through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, and many other activities. They even have worked with an insurer to replace the BMI measurement with a waist-to-hip ratio, a far better predictor of cardiovascular health and more advantageous to weightlifters. All you have to do is take the Health IQ quiz to see how you qualify. To receive a free quote and to learn more, head to healthiq.com slash listen. That's healthiq.com slash listen. Health IQ, celebrating the health conscious. Question four. Hey, Andrew. Guess not for me. Uh, I just finished listening to all of the rental property episodes. I've been setting them aside for a day off so I can focus on them rather than listening to them at six on the train. And on the six train. Or on the six train. This is a New thought, York thing. I don't know New York things, okay? It's a New York, man. It's a New York thing. Come on, New Yorkers. <clears throat> anyway, he says he's hooked. So, good job. I guess good job to me, too. I yeah. helped. 
So I know you give your feedback on the episodes, but I was wondering if you have any top of the list advice when using a roof stock or just rental investing in general. I do notice the listing prices on roof stock are slightly above what they are on websites like Zillow or Trulia. And I double checked them on your tool as well. So what's your thought on this? And is this where you would take into consideration a lower offer price? I have nego okay. There on roof stock it'll say buy this now. This is the price, and then mm-hmm. it'll be like make an offer. I have negotiated on every price. I have oh, not bought so any. I have not bought anything where I pay the list price. And I think the buy it now is just like the thing on eBay where it's like you don't want to hassle with auction bidding, so you just pay a premium to get look, it now. There are some people who I mean, some property owners that are selling to you, and they're just like, screw you. This is the price. That's it, right? And you have to be mm-hmm. willing to be like. Okay, fine. I'll actually pay the list price if you really yep. want it. But it never hurts to ask. I always do. Laura usually gets yep. mad at me. She's like, "This is the price, whatever." Like, <laughs> I, like we're we're doing like a deal for list of my matters, and like, no, they're not gonna do that for you. I'm like, we'll just ask. <laughs> like, if it doesn't yeah. work out, just ask. Can I tell a story about yeah. that? Yeah. So uh, Anna has Anna's kind of the same personality as Laura in that regard. I think. Mm. So we were at. California Adventure, which is that second park at Disneyland in California. And we were at like the little food court area where there's all these little restaurants and stuff. And we walk into the one that's mainly American food. And she wasn't very hungry. And they had a bunch of stuff on the menu that she wasn't really excited about. And she was like, I really just wish they had a grilled cheese. And I was like, it's cheese and bread. Let's just ask them. Even though it's not on the menu, let's just ask them. And she was like, no, it's not on the menu. They're going to say no. Just, and then I was like, I'm going to ask him anyway. And I asked him and they made her grilled cheese. And in fact, they were like, yeah, that's actually kind of on our like secret menu. That's not really <laughs> secret. Just don't tell people about it because we want to like keep the choices simple. But we do have them. And she got her grilled cheese. So, yes, just, just ask. ask. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, like, what? right. Why not? Uh, so the moral so- of the story is email the people at Roofstock and ask them for a grilled cheese. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, actually, it's on our secret menu. We send every investor a grilled cheese sandwich with their. We do. <laughs> no, that's customer service. I think we just gave them a brilliant idea, and I think we deserve a cut. Oh my god, dude! If you bought a rental property and got a grilled cheese in the mail, you would buy another rental property. Just be like, I this would. is ridiculous. I well, my lunch is free. Tomato soup with this one. <laughs> uh, okay, so so one always just ask right always always try for the price and i, I want to actually give like another example on this mm-hmm. so my buddy neil um he sits next to me at work uh and he ha- he's now has he's like far outpacing me with properties the guy is a beast damn and um he found one on roofstock and i think it was for 57 or something mm-hmm. the numbers are very close not exact uh and it was like a make an offer and so he wound up getting it down to 55. And he was like, all right, I, I negotiated it. Um, and then it's going through the process. And then there's an appraisal. And the appraisal comes in at 45. And the bank's like, well, then you have to bring 10K to the table because like, we're not giving you a loan like 10K over bliss price. So Neil goes to, and Roof Sock's like, I mean, they're like assuming he's going to go through the deal and just do this. And Neil's basically like, no, I'll buy it for 45. And they're like, I don't know if he's going to do it. And Neil's like, well, then I'm not doing it. Like, I'm, uh, It's either 45 or not. And so they asked the, the owner, and he's like, yeah, sure, 45. Like, it was like the guy didn't even like think twice about it. And so he wound up getting yeah. like a sick deal um, on this place. So, but, but you just have to like push a little bit. I've noticed 
I think this is something that applies to all aspects of life where like if the, the decision maker in any situation is one or more people removed from you, you might need to push a little bit more, but you can probably still get what you want. Like we went to a restaurant one time and um, their policy was to not serve alcohol to people with a vertical ID mm-hmm. because at least in our state, a vertical ID means you're under 18. Right. Uh, usually, and then like a horizontal one means they've issued they've issued it to you Same when way. you're over eighteen, hmm. or no twenty one. Sorry, twenty one, not eighteen. So for us, it's like Anna, provisional license and then whatever. But yeah, so Anna still has a vertical ID, and she's over twenty one. She's twenty three years old, but she just hasn't gone back to the DOT to get a horizontal one yet because hers isn't expired. Most restaurants are fine with this, but one we went to is really nice restaurant. We went with her mom, and they had a policy not to serve alcohol to people with vertical IDs and it was a waitress. And she was like, I'm sorry, but I can't. And her mom was like, are you sure you can't? And she was like, I can't, I'm sorry. And it's a college town, right? Mm. So clearly the policy is probably there because when a there bunch of kids dumbass college students yeah. coming in, trying to sneak in and with fake IDs and stuff, like it's just, you know, risk tolerance. Mm. So Anna's mom was like, I'm not taking no for an answer because we made a reservation here and all that. So she went and got the manager and she was like, I'm with my daughter. It's Mother's Day. It was Mother's Day, too. That's right. Mm. It was Mother's Day. Serve my daughter some wine. And the <laughs> manager was like, oh, assess the situation. Fine. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. No problem. But like, it's because the waitress had no decision making power. All mm. she knew is if she broke the policy, she's going to get fired or in trouble. So sometimes you need to push or you need to go around the gatekeeper who doesn't have power and who only goes by the binder to find the person who can make a real decision. Then you can be reasonable with that person. They'll probably negotiate with you. Yeah. Same situation with Neil. Um, yeah, dude. And, and my family is, we're like an escalator family. Like we always, <laughs> we, we go up. Uh, Taking it straight to the top. <laughs> but <laughs> this okay. goes up farther than we know. So, so like my my advice on the rental properties: one, negotiate and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, two, uh, a lot of people are like, "Well, the schools in this area are like a one, or like it's whatever." I think you should view it as like your basket of rental properties, where some are going to be really good and less risk, and some are going to be, you know, towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. And maybe a bit riskier. Uh, but you know what? If it's a college town, the schools don't matter because they're going to the college. They're not going to elementary school and they probably don't have kids. Yeah. You just get a different renter type. Um, mm-hmm. But And also all the money's to be made on the low end. So just not war yeah. zones. So, you know, kind of balance that out. Uh, and, and, the, and the one other thing I, I think is you have to find like an intelligent project manager, like just talk with them a little bit. And one that has like incentives to lower their fee. Like if we give you auto deposit and we keep a reserve, we'll reduce it by like 2%. Like take that. Oh, that's awesome. That makes it easier for you anyway. Dude, all of my properties in Georgia, I pay 6% management fee because I, I agree to get paid on the 23rd instead of the 1st. I do auto deposit. I have a and reserve. And it's usually 10, right? Yeah, it's usually 10. So that's right. initial 4%, like every month's not like mind blowing, but over years, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Didn't you tell me that like real estate agent fees are like 3%? Uh, So it's it's... Yeah, I mean, at least. Um, I think I paid... Actually, I, th- I think it's what I paid in Hoboken. So it goes so I, half I and half to seller, buyer, agent. 
So like 1.5 goes to seller, 1.5 goes mm. to buyer. Man, okay, so uh, you know, I know somebody who recently sold their house here in Iowa, and they were ecstatic about getting the real estate fee down to five percent. You know, maybe maybe and I'm I wrong. remember maybe, hearing that. Maybe from, it's six percent. Um, okay. Actually, I I can do the math right now real quick because I I remember seeing the number and I yeah. was I could not believe. I'll, I'll tell you right now. Um, I won't tell you the percent, although if you're, if you're clever, you could figure it out. <laughs> you can go on listenmoneymatters.com slash pro. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do basic math, um, you'll be able to, okay. Actually, wait, uh, no, know, I, I think I'm address. closer to right. I'm closer to right. I paid a little bit more than what I said. Uh, I paid the agents collectively about tw- a little less than $25,000 for the, the uh, privilege of having the door opened for me. Um, although so, my, my selling agent was awesome and he was on the show, but what you're trying to say is it's less than 5% in Hoboken, right? but the properties are really expensive here. Okay. So you're saying like in Iowa where the properties are like cheaper than dirt and you can buy them for like ice cream cones and seashells. They're going to have a higher percentage. Just because the agents can't live off that. that makes right? sense. They would have to churn okay. at ridiculous volumes. We're here. It already churns at ridiculous volumes. Yeah. I mean, that's true that, the market in Hoboken is insane. Mm. So, okay. I guess that makes sense. But I was just a little confused for a second. I was like, really? You're happy about getting it down to five? But yeah, not uh, Hoboken. One, one more uh, tip before we go to the next one. I mm-hmm. think a lending team that doesn't suck is really, really important. So okay. like find a bank. I use North Point Bank. It's just North Point with an E at the end. Uh-huh. Um, and they're like in every market I could ever want to be in. Um, and uh, then you just are working with the same people. It gets easier every deal. Um, they give you like the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I, I just find it like more automatable. Right. I'm like, hey, Mark, like do this. And like Mm. he he just takes care of it because he knows me. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap this up with question number five. And this question also. Hey, Andrew. And, you know, I try to put and Thomas in when you were talking before, but you have the note locked. So devastated. Oh, I do. (laughs) Yeah, it's because everyone needs to have freaking collaborative editing. Come on. Mm. But this person's question to quit my little diatribe here is that uh, we shared a couple of messages in the comment section of the recent real estate podcast episodes. Uh, and I was aware of the real estate marketplace roof stock before, and I've been exploring their marketplace recently. But one thing I'm having an issue with is the areas with these relatively low cost properties are located in like Jacksonville, Florida. I think you mentioned that you purchased, you purchased a property for around $50,000. Great deal, by the way. And uh, I'm going to wildly guess that is in Florida. If I compare the school ratings, the cheaper properties on roof stocks, the ratings are extremely low, like one to two. I'm looking to pull the trigger and buy a property on roof stocks soon. Now, I already have the pre-approval for a loan, but I just want to know your thoughts. Did you forego the school ratings and focus just on the cash flow? And I think we kind of touched on this in the last question. Yeah, I guess uh, I I read all of them before we talked. You primed yourself. I, I like inadvertently answered all of it, like in the previous question. But, yeah. but there's so I think most of the stuff is covered. But I want to clarify two things. Okay. One, I bought my first place for fifty five, uh, fifty six thousand five hundred, and it's in Indianapolis, Indiana, not mm-hmm. Florida. And um, there are it, it's different strokes for different folks. Um, 
you know, we just had a huge hurricane come by and, uh, you know, there was parts of Florida that were devastated. Jacksonville has been fine. And, and actually, historically, it's been like, I don't know, over a hundred years or something like that since a hurricane has affected Jacksonville, Florida specifically. Yeah. Um, well, isn't Jacksonville like pretty far north and inland? It, it's actually, oh, so, so it is pretty far north, but it's not that far inland. Oh. And I guess my, a naive understanding of whatever when I first oh wow it's not yeah right like it's it's right there on the coast and so when I first saw it oh I was thinking of Tallahassee that's really far inland in Gainesville mm. yeah that's kind of far on the coast or put on the coast and dude it's like basically on the coast right yeah and I mean if if you zoom into the map on floor on Jacksonville it's like typical Florida where like half of it's underwater. Right. It does look like that. Like there's just like everyone has a like lake a in their huge backyard. Huge river going through it. It's like all these little pockets of water everywhere. Yeah. So I saw Jacksonville, Florida, back months ago. Like I was must have been August, uh, and I was I just made a decision after talking with Lauren, debating it out because the prices are great. But we just mm-hmm. decided for that Jacksonville, Florida is not for us. Okay. So. Um, Roofstock is soon going to be going into in- and Indianapolis, uh, and I know that there's cheap stuff there, and I love it. So I'm probably gonna shit. Everyone's gonna be fighting me for those properties now. <laughs> uh, this is a problem with being a podcaster, Martin. Yeah, you know, it was really great before <laughs> I mentioned Roofstock because I got all the deals. Now yep. I literally have to fight with everyone in the audience for them, but uh. Look, I, go for that's flo- why you just teach how to make deals. Maybe that's why all the successful business people start teaching how to do business and charging for that. Because they're like the moment they teach some people for fun, they have like increased their competition pool and given away all their <laughs> tricks. So it looks like crap. I got to double down on that. All right. Here's more tricks. Yeah, see, I, I'm like not that smart where I like I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I found the golden goose. Let me tell everyone. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but you got to tell everyone mm, because it's a job. This will be the money machine eventually, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, we're doing good. We're doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say with that. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think we we pretty well covered your philosophy in the last question. Where I mean, just to reiterate, you've got a a basket of properties, some of which are going to have high ratings, some of which are going to have low ratings and schools only apply to people who need to put kids into school. Mm. So not college students. Um, actually good question. Does Allison have any properties in Jacksonville? Uh, I don't, I don't know about Jacksonville, right? In Gaines. I think, I think they're in Gainesville. Okay. Um, because she went to school around there and she she knew the town. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you can get tenants where the schools don't matter, as long as the other aspects aren't really, you know, horribly negatively affected by the low school ratings, then you're going to have a pretty big subset of people who won't care. And look, there are people who need to live somewhere that don't have kids. Uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's a large portion of the people listening that that applies to. And they're renting yeah. from places. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you went to go get your place to rent, did you give a shit about this elementary school rating? Or nope. the high school rating? Or? That being said, there's a high school two blocks away from me that's brand new and an elementary school two blocks away from me that's brand new. So if I was a father, I'd probably be here. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't because it's boring. I don't like it here. But <laughs> you have like a awesome meatball sub grocery store deli place like two blocks from your apartment. And 
I literally have to walk a full mile before I get to any business. Yeah, but dude, that's why my fat to body ratio is 100%. <laughs> fat to body ratio. <laughs> that, that's the official term, I, I believe. <laughs> that's true. When there is a liquor store five minutes around the corner, yeah, I could see that. I would probably buy those uh, big deli sandwiches with like 10 pounds of mozzarella on them oh every day. Oh my God, dude. Then I'd be at like 200%. Dude, that's like a first thing I'm going to buy when I come up to New York. I'm going to get uh, to your place. I'm going to be like, let's call up Katz's Deli or not Katz, uh, whatever the Lisa's. Yeah, let's call Lisa's up. Give me a big sandwich with a slab of mucho on it. And I'll tell you yeah, what, dude. Watch The Bachelor. I'll take I'll take it. Damn <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's probably going to be I think it's actually going to be on when you arrive so God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> uh, wh- what we'll do is um, you'll let me know when your flight is and yeah. you'll place your order and I will time it so Perfect. like when you you're on your way back right before we hit my apartment we'll stop we'll get you your sub yeah it'll be quite the experience are you going to come pick me up from the airport I don't know why you would do that because you don't have a car. I'll, I'll pick <laughs> I'm you. Just I, gonna <laughs> catch an Uber on my city bike. You'll ride on the back of my city bike. Oh wait, good question. Does mm. the, do Ubers go to Newark still? Yo, yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Because I heard there was like some kerfuffle about that or something. They, they ironed it out, um, okay. and it's super cheap from Newark to my place. It's like twenty dollars, maybe twenty three. And it's back. faster. Is the big thing. Oh, dude, because into you, your place from JFK is such a pain. Because yeah, you got to cross uh, two bridge things or two tunnels or whatever. And drive through Manhattan. So And drive through Manhattan, yeah. That basically, Not fun. No. Are you able to take the path yet, by the way? Uh, Yeah, yeah. We were able to like a little bit ago. Okay. Um, It's good. The, the path's kind of like far enough. It's like underground and far enough away from the train station. Where, okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's five questions. Mm. I think we, uh, we answered them pretty well. If you have follow-up questions or other kind of questions, uh, you can email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com with your questions, or you can comment on the show notes for this potential ep- or for this episode. Or if you are a part of our pro forum where you, we have our real estate research tool and our discussion forums where all the smartest and most active people on Listen Money Matters like to congregate, uh, you can ask questions there. We pull from all those sources and we take them to make more of these episodes. So pro.listenmoneymatters.com is where you can find all those pro tools. And uh, I think there's still like a, there's like a something free, right? To it. Yeah. So the community, I mean like the, the forums are free right now. Um, oh. And okay. uh, there is a trial on pro. That's right. So yeah. the forums, okay. So the forums are free now and then pro has a trial. Mm. And uh, also, you can find all of our favorite resources, books, apps, everything that we use to manage our money more effectively and make our work more productive over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. So check the resources out over there. And other than that, we will see you in next week's episode. Later, man. Later, dude. Tell your friends about this show.